on the Statue of Liberty, a gift from the people of France. There are words we know so well. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Or, well, close enough, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Well, so to speak, anyway. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 97.1 FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast. 106.7 FM KSOW, KSO in Cottage Grove. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, and coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, the awesome Radio or Not.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik. Ah, yes, I'm Nicole Sandler, your favorite fill in host, who's usually found at, again, the always awesome RadioOrNot.com. Today, in for the ailing Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen. They're both sick. I wonder how that happens. Anyway, uh, it's a busy day today where we begin at the White House where President Obama and President Hollande of France held a joint news conference. And by the way, Mr. President, it's uh, Emma Lazarus's poem, includes the line, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. But close enough, I guess. Oh, yeah, he also said this. President Rouleau, it has been an honor to welcome you to the White House before in happier times than this. But as Americans, we stand by our friends in good times and in bad, no matter what. So on behalf of the American people, I want to once again express our deepest condolences to you and all of the people of France for the heinous attacks that took place in Paris. We're here today to declare that the United States and France stand united in total solidarity to deliver justice to these terrorists and those who sent them and to defend our nations. In that spirit, with heavy but strong hearts, I welcome you here today. Now, the reason for the heavy hearts is the events that unfolded just over a week ago in Paris. But this presser today came just hours after we got news that Turkey shot down a Russian warplane near the Turkish-Syrian border. Turkey said it hit the plane after they repeatedly violated Turkey's airspace and ignored 10 warnings. Turkey and Russia ex- Turkey and Russia exchanged what's described as bellicose language after the downing of the plane, uh, raising fears in the international community that the brutal Syrian conflict could spiral into something much wider. Russian President Vladimir Putin said that the downing of the Russian plane would have, quote, serious consequences for Russia's relationship with Turkey, end quote. 
understatement of the year, probably. The shooting down of the plane, Putin said, quote, represents a stab in the back by the terrorists' accomplices. I can't describe what has happened today in any other way, he said. Our plane was downed over Syrian territory by an air-to-missile from a Turkish F-16 jet. Putin continued, the plane fell on Syrian territory four kilometers away from the Turkish border. It was flying one kilometer away from the Turkish border when it was attacked. In any case, neither our pilots nor our jet posed any threat to Turkey. That is obvious. They were carrying out an operation fighting against ISIL in northern uh, Latakia. That's a direct quote from Vladimir Putin. Of course, the, um, the barbs are flying in both directions. And yes, President Obama was asked about it at the press conference uh, along with President Hollande. What is your reaction to Turkey shooting down a Russian plane today? What are the prospects for closer military coordination with Russia given what happened today? Well, first of all, we're still getting the details of what happened. Uh, and uh, I expect to be in communications uh, uh, potentially directly with uh, President Erdogan uh, sometime over the next several days. Uh, Turkey, like every country, has a right to defend its territory and its airspace. Uh, I think it's very important right now for us to make sure that both the Russians and the Turks are talking to each other, find out exactly what happened, uh, and take measures to uh, discourage any kind of escalation. Um, I do think that this points to uh, an ongoing problem with the Russian operations in the sense that they are operating very close to a Turkish border and they are going after uh, moderate opposition that are supported by not only Turkey but a wide range of countries. And if Russia is directing its energies towards Daesh and ISIL, uh, some of those conflicts or potentials for uh, mistakes or escalation uh, are less likely to occur. Uh, I also think this underscores the importance of us making sure that uh, we move this political track forward as quickly as possible. Uh, like President Hollande, our view from the start has been that Russia is welcome to be part of this broad-based coalition that we've set up. There's never been a point in time in which we said that we don't want Russia or other countries that may have differences with us on a whole host of other things uh, to avoid working with us against ISIL. The challenge has been Russia's focus on propping up Assad rather than focusing on ISIL. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, President Putin in Turkey and I indicated to him at the time that uh, to the extent that they make that strategic shift, focus on the Vienna process where they have been constructive to try to bring all the parties together, try to execute a political transition uh, that uh, all parties would agree to, and refocus attention on going after ISIL, uh, then there's enormous uh, capacity for us to cooperate. Until that happens, uh, it's very difficult. Uh, it's difficult because if their priority is attacking the moderate opposition that might be uh, future members of a 
inclusive Syrian government. Uh, Russia is not going to get the support of us or uh, a, a range of other members of the coalition. But I do think that there is the possibility of cooperation. The sooner we agree to this political process, the less likely uh, that you have you know, the kinds of, uh, kinds of events that took place uh, apparently uh, today. Well, I wish that news was the worst I had to share with you today. But now let's uh, come closer to home for an incident I'd describe as domestic terrorism. It reared its ugly head Monday night in Minneapolis when a group of white supremacists allegedly opened fire on an ongoing Black Lives Matter protest that's been uh, happening outside um, a police station in Minneapolis following the fatal shooting of 24-year-old Jamar Clark, an unarmed black man, by police on November 15th. On Friday, Black Lives Matter Minneapolis released a video that they say show the alleged gunman shooting a live stream in their car on the way to the protest to shoot up the place. Be forewarned, we're not exactly sure that these are the shooters, but, uh, well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Oh, and be forewarned, it's pretty graphic, too. This will be uh, Saiga's first recon mission in a little while. This is Saiga Marine. This is Black Powder Ranger. We're gonna go see what these dudes are up to. AKA apparently Bosnian terrorists. I didn't even see what I look like. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> and yes, we are we are locked. We are locked and loaded. You have a gun? <laughs> Why do you hate freedom? Because I don't know. Alright, check it out you guys. We're gonna be driving down there. It's gonna take us about 10 minutes to get down there. We're going to take a little while right and shut turn. and shut the camera off in a little bit. We just want to give everyone a heads up on pole. We're on our way. We're going to knock this out. And we're going to go see what these are doing about. You know, because apparently fighting police and fighting paramedics is good enough to let you off with a slap on the wrist, especially when you go for an officer's weapon. So, yeah. A little reverse cultural enriching. Well, we're going to make the fire rise. The fire rise well, basically, what he's saying is we're just gonna go have ourselves a little look-see in this. A little look-see. See what we can see. What's see. going on? We heard. We heard, I read on poll that some little lolly is in trouble and needs our help. Something about search and rescue. So we're gonna go knock that out. Search and recover. Actually, I think it's termed. I don't. But uh, anyways, you guys, uh, keep on, keep on watching the stream. We're gonna get on the freeway here in a few minutes, and we'll be there in no time. We'll catch you all later. Stay white. Unfortunately, yeah, you heard that correctly. He ended with. Stay white. Okay, now now that you've thrown up, go clean up. We'll take a little break and come back on the other side with Congressman Alan Grayson. But it's not the warm, fuzzy uh, Congressman Alan Grayson interview you might be expecting. I'm Nicole Sandler, and I live in Florida, and I have a bone to pick with the guy who I was hoping was going to be our next senator from Florida. We'll explain all next when we return. It is the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, filling in for Brad and Desi today. We'll be right back. Don't go away. 
Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. One more Nicole? She's on live Monday through Friday from 10 to noon Eastern Time and repeating all day at RadioOrNot.com. Listen anytime. Yeah, you heard him correctly. He sang Oi Florida because although this is the Sunshine State, it's more like the land of fruits and nuts. Florida. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, filling in for Brad and Desi today on the Bradcast. And yes, I live in Florida. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was really excited that Congressman Alan Grayson from the Orlando area had thrown his hat in the ring to be the next senator from Florida to replace Marco Rubio, who, even though he's not going to be president, uh, doesn't like being a senator very much because he never shows up. So uh, he's out. Right. Um, I've been I've been an Alan Grayson supporter for a long time. And just to uh, set the record straight, I'm also a Bernie Sanders supporter. I know Brad and Desi haven't endorsed anyone. So this is me speaking for me. Now, down here in Florida, I was actually really, as I said, excited about Alan Grayson until a few days ago when I read something that said he had endorsed Hillary Clinton. Now, look, every candidate is entitled to endorse whomever they support. That's how a democracy works. But when a candidate is coerced into supporting someone that they're less aligned with than another candidate, I have to wonder where this all came from. And so when I read this report, actually late last week, I contacted uh, Congressman Grayson's campaign and, and asked flat out, is this an endorsement? Well, it took three or four tries before I got an answer. And the answer simply said, yes, it is an endorsement. So then I said, well, is there a statement or anything? Uh, will, will Congressman Grayson come on my show tomorrow? This was on Thursday. And then I got a note back that simply said, he's tied up during that time period. Woo. Okay. Then I asked why, you know, why are you being so terse with me? I've been a supporter of Congressman Grayson's uh, forever. And um, a short time later, the phone rang. My cell phone, it was Congressman Grayson. We had a nice long conversation. I still wasn't sold, but I invited him on my show to talk about it. So he joined me this morning. And I thought since I'm in for Brad and Desi, I will share that with you too. Now we started, I thought I'd start off softly and not hit him right with the, you know, Hillary Clinton endorsement. So I asked him about a vote um, that Congress took uh, uh, last week, the week before, um, which seemed to give cover to um, 
the sort of, well, the racist practices of auto dealers because this bill, as far as I could understand, prevented the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau from intervening on the consumer's behalf. So we started there. (laughs) Strap in. This is going to be a bumpy ride. All right. I I believe uh, we've got Congressman Alan Grayson. Is that you? That is I. Uh, or is it that is me? Which one is it? Um, that is I, that is that, me. That is me. me. It would be that is me. I'm, I'm one of, I'm, I, I'm a grammar Nazi. What, it, people use the word I when it should be me too often, but this, the way you did it, um, I think it's open for interpretation. Either way works. Good morning. Well, either way is okay with me. <laughs> okay. Either way is okay with me. Or should See I how say that either, works? <laughs> either way, either way. Yeah. You say tomato, I say tomato. Tomato, potato, potato. Uh, Congressman Let's Alan Grayson. Pull the whole thing off. Uh, yes. <laughs> I wish I could. Can I just say, I'm going to quote Shepard yeah. Smith, a TV news person uh, that I don't often quote, when he said, uh, politics is weird and creepy. And um, I, and I, he did. Do you not know that clip? <laughs> well, I, I feel that way. And every time I see Shepard Smith talking about politics, it just it's like it's creepiness on parade. It is. Um, it, you know, and it's it is. But when he's not uh, talking about it and it's creepy when he <laughs> is talking about it. But actually, here, here's the quote, uh, uh, Congressman. Politics is weird and creepy. Uh, oh, that was just part of it. And and he said, goes on to say something about it and has no uh, uh, relation to um, reality whatsoever, or something along those lines. Oh, well, I, I don't agree with that part at all. Uh, it, you I don't? Mean, polit- politics, no. I mean, politics is about war and peace. Uh, it, it determines who lives and who dies. Uh, yeah. Politics is very serious. It has enormous effects on everybody's lives. I mean, you know, the, the third vote I ever did in Congress was a vote... Uh, to extend health care to 4 million children in the United States. That certainly had dramatic consequences on real life. Well, I agree. But it is weird and creepy, and it freaks me out. There are two issues, Congressman Well, Grayson. let me be your sedative. Okay, good. I hope so. Two issues that I I'll do want to talk to you about today. <laughs> I'm going to start with okay. one that you don't know that I'm going to talk to you about. Because this one, I actually noticed after you and I had a conversation the other day, And this one is, you know, well, they're both troubling to me, but this one I got to ask you about. The headline at the Huffington Post read, um, meet the 88 Democrats who just voted to enable racial discrimination in car buying. You're one of the 88. (laughs) Wait, 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 hold it it right there. Yeah. That, as as we used to say in the courtroom, that's assuming facts, not an evidence. Okay, well, that's why I'm asking you about it. the Huffington Post headline. I hear you. I hear you. So, but this was a bill. Uh, let's back up a little bit. When when the Consumer Financial Protection Board was formed, there was a a sort of a carve out made for auto uh, dealers who have a history of discriminating against people of color when it comes to interest rates charged on cars, loans financed. Um, this bill would have said no. The Consumer Fi- Financial Protection Board can step in and deal with this, from what I understand. Now, so tell me what I got wrong here. Okay, well, that's part right and part wrong. Okay. Um, there has been a great deal of debate going back many years uh, about whether uh, there should be financial regulation of non-banks, uh, people who are not in the banking business. Uh, and, and in fact, there was a vote uh, way back in 2009 and 2010 
on uh, on a related subject, which is whether uh, auto dealers should be covered by financial regulations. This is part of Dodd Frank. Uh, the the bill to the amendment to exclude auto dealers passed by a very wide margin, uh, and about half of the Democrats ended up voting uh, in favor of that exclusion. Um, the, this is a, basically a question of to what extent uh, should we financially regulate uh, entities that aren't even close to being banks? Now, in this case, it came up again because the CFPB, which I strongly support and which I voted to defend over and over and over again, uh, came out with what, a, not a regulation, but a bulletin uh, in 2013. And the bulletin had to do with uh, compliance with the Equal Credit Opportunity Act by uh, what they called indirect auto lenders. Uh, an indirect auto lender, in the views of many people, is not a lender at all. These are people who take in car loan applications and then pass them on to financial institutions. So this is the kind of thing that uh, we're, we've been concerned about, the idea that we're regulating people under the guise of financial regulation aren't even close to being banks. Uh, these are not lenders. These are auto dealers who take the applications and pass them on. Right. Um, in this case, the, the, the bill that we voted on last week, which I regard as a very close question, um, was a bill uh, that would have rescinded this bulletin, uh, but continued to allow the Department of Justice to bring cases, as they have in the past, uh, involving uh, discrimination in auto loans, whether it's done by the banks or by uh, auto uh, lenders or otherwise. Uh, those, the Justice Department has had the right to do that under the Equal Credit Opportunity Act for many years uh, and under its implementing regulation for many years. Uh, th that bill that we voted on did not change that legal entitlement to fight discrimination. There's no reason to think that that would be any different under, under the, if the bill becomes law or doesn't become law. Um, what this bill does is it says that the CFPB was taking a step too far by regulating the people who weren't even issuing the loans, the auto dealers who were passing the paperwork on to the banks who were actually issuing the loans. Yeah, but, um, but also, uh, okay. Wait, wait, let me continue. Okay, let me continue. It didn't say they couldn't do it. It just said that if they did it, they'd have to actually coordinate with other agencies that actually regulate banks. Like for instance, the Federal Reserve, uh, to give you an example of an agency, federal uh, agency that regulates banks, uh, or or other agencies that regulate banks, they have to coordinate with them. They can't just go out on a limb on their own, the way that they acted unilaterally with this bulletin. So that's the bill. The bill was wildly exaggerated. Um, and I, by the way, I I have a pretty high regard in general for the Huffington Post. Um, I'm not trying to ex make this into an extended criticism of the Huffington Post, but I think that that headline in particular was misleading right. uh, because the, the legal authority remains entirely intact. Okay. The Justice Department can sue anybody anytime under the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. That's what this is about. Now, look, reasonable people can disagree about this vote and this bill. Okay, mm -hmm. I get that. I understand that. Um, I, I, I had misgivings about supporting this bill, but I decided that it was a judgment call, a close one, and that um, in the end I decided that the people who were criticizing the CFDP on this one occasion had something resembling a legitimate gripe. That's all. There's no larger significance to this. I don't support uh, undoing the CFTB. I don't support undoing anything else the CFTB has done. 
I happen to have a voting record on this that's very extensive, and this was my judgment call. I, you know, if, if people feel otherwise, that's fine. But to say that I'm in, because of this vote, I'm in favor of discrimination against minorities is ridiculous. Right it's ridiculous. now, I, and I, look, knowing you as I do, I, I obviously don't believe that of you. However, this, I mean, wh- there is a history, and I've heard from friends of color who say. Um, one one told me that's why for over 20 years I've never financed a, a new car purchase through the dealership. The de- yes, the bank gives the dealership the, the prescribed interest rate. The dealership is then free to tack on a couple extra points to buy, you know beef up their profit. And the you know evidence shows that they do it more often with customers of color. Shouldn't I mean that that's got to be shut down? I think by whatever means possible. Why, why limit the and, power and of the CFPB? The Department, I mean, it's good that the Justice Department has been doing this. The, the idea that if the, CF, the, the CFPB puts out something that isn't even regulation, but a bulletin, um, and it has a whole bunch of long definitions in it about who's a creditor and who's not, that somehow protects African Americans or Hispanics from discrimination is pretty far-fetched to me. I, I don't think that, that that's what this is all about. Right. Well, I, uh, but but what it looks like is it's sort of battle lines being drawn. Of course, the Republicans who ca- who ca- who vote all voted for this bill, as did you. They did it in order to basically, uh, you know, uh, try to discredit the CFPB. They want it. They want to pull the rug out from under them. They they would disband this agency if at all possible. Isn't this sort of giving them ammo? Um, it is true what you say about their motivation. The the Republicans who voted for this voted against voted for this because they vote for every anti-CFPB bill that comes down the pike. Um, my view of this was different. I read these things, as you can tell. I actually knew what I was voting on, mm-hmm. um, and I make uh, calls that are sometimes close calls that are based upon the specific facts of what's being proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be. Uh, in the real world, it would be a useful thing uh, for to have the CFPB actually consult with other banking regulatory agencies before putting out something like this. I would have voted against it. I would have voted against it if it had prohibited the CFPB from regulating in this area. I would have voted against it. Okay. But that's not what this bill does. All right. Um, and it, the fact the fact that that um, I end up taking a, a reasonable pr- position on a bill that happens to align me with lunatics is <laughs> frankly something that happens all too frequently yes, in the well. Tea Party house. Yeah, well, but that's but it's, the way it goes. I still have to make my best judgment about yep, each bill. Right. No, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. Congressman Alan Grayson is with us on the broadcast. He's nothing if not blunt. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the big question that I had for him, was that really an endorsement of Hillary Clinton? The answer, coming up next. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, filling in today on the broadcast. Whenever a president gets a bipartisan cluster of political establishmentarians to stand with him at a press conference in a show of force behind a particular piece of legislation, be wary. And if the president begins by saying, all of us agree, That's when all of us regular Americans should rush to the barricades with our pitchforks and torches to defend democracy. Sure enough, President Obama recently put on such a show, trotting out a supporting cast of old cabinet officials, including the ignominious Henry Kissinger, all standing in support of Obama's odious Trans-Pacific Partnership. 
One of the things that we all agree on, declared Obama, is that if Congress rejects the TPP deal, China will make the rules of global trade, and those rules will not be to our advantage. But wait, who does our refer to? He's trying to hang his raw deal corporate trade scam around your and my necks by pretending to speak for America. Yet the great majority of Americans of every political stripe adamantly oppose the deal. After all, it was negotiated in secret with about 500 global corporate executives, creating new rules of global governance that are not at all to our advantage. Those self-serving corporate elites wrote rules that, big surprise, give them more advantages over us. More American jobs will be offshored. Our food safety protections will be compromised. Our medicines will cost more. We and the rest of the world will get more contamination of our environment. And even our sovereign authority to write the laws of our own land will be subverted by a system of private, secretive tribunals open only to global corporations. This is Jim Hightower saying Obama's Trans-Pacific Partnership is a rotten deal on the merits, but it's made even stinkier by dragging out that infamous old liar, Henry Kissinger, to vouch for it. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, and yes, I live in Florida, where Congressman Alan Grayson, who represents the Orlando area, Florida's 9th District, is vying to be our next junior senator. With such a progressive outlook on everything, uh, my question was, did you really endorse Hillary Clinton? Congressman Alan Grayson is with us. He, a uh, congressman representing Florida's 9th District, is now running for the U.S. Senate. It's a contentious primary, to say the least, um, uh, where you're running against a guy uh, that your main opponent in the primary is um, uh, Patrick Murphy. We've talked about him before. Uh, he is certainly the the dictionary definition of the dino democrat name only he has a record of uh, contributing his family is all republicans he was a republican until he decided to run for the house against alan west um you know he is aligned with the new dems who are the outgrowth of the blue dogs um patrick murphy uh he's he's the antithesis of anything that i would want to be my senator i was thrilled uh congressman grayson when you threw your hat in the ring um, and and uh, the last couple of times we've talked, I didn't even bother to ask you who you were endorsing for president because I thought the smart well, political before, wait, move. Before, yes. I, I'll, I'll be happy to talk about that. Yes. But let me, before you change the subject, okay. I don't want to talk about what you just said. Okay. Uh, do you happen to know the Democrat has taken more money from Wall Street than any other Democrat? I would th- uh, in, think in the last election that cycle. would be Can Patrick, that Patrick Murphy. That would be Patrick Murphy. In fact... Patrick Murphy took almost three times as much money from Wall Street banks as Jeb Henserling, oh who was the Republican head of yep. the Financial Services Committee. Right. The right. only members of Congress who took more money from Wall Street than Patrick Murphy are two Republicans you may have heard of, Kevin McCarthy and Boehner. Wow. They're the only ones. He is third. Now that Boehner's gone, he's second. Right. Well, so Patrick this, this Murphy. Is what I, this is what I actually have to deal with. I, I hear you. And, and what I'm, um, uh, you know, the conversation we're about to have doesn't reflect, doesn't change my opinion of Patrick Murphy one iota. I would not vote for him if the contest was between my dog Jackson and Patrick Murphy. Jackson would get my vote. 
notice I didn't say I'd stay home because I think we all must vote. It's our yeah, it is a right, but I think it's our duty. Regardless, right, vote your nose and vote. Yes. Sometimes you have to. Do you that. have to. That said, Congressman Grayson, uh, the last few times we'd spoken again, I never even bothered to ask you who you were endorsing because I understand politics. And I know that for you to endorse, say, Bernie Sanders would be maybe not in your best interest because of the power of the Clinton uh, campaign and organization. That said, last week... I read an article that said you endorsed Hillary Clinton. And as I read deeper, I noticed that what it was, you signed on to her Democratic Leadership Council or something, uh, call it like that, Um, uh, her Clinton Florida Leadership Council, sorry. Um, And then I tried to get clarification from your office. I emailed at least five times that morning asking, is this an endorsement? And then finally I got the answer, yes, this is an endorsement. You endorsed Hillary Clinton? Well, let's take it from the top, okay? Uh, the article that you wrote, that you read, was written by a right-wing nutjob um, who was trying to stir up trouble and did not say I endorsed her. What he said was it wasn't clear that I endorsed her. Go back and look at the article. Is this this is the Florida that. politics thing? That was the first thing I saw, and then then that article yes, refers back it, to political yeah. article. I mean, this is some right. this is somebody. The author of that article is somebody who went back through every email that we've sent. This is someone who's demented. He went back through every email that we've sent out for the past five years and tried to find copyright violations. Oh, my God. This is the level of lunacy that we have to deal with 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 this kind of campaign. They're out there. But anyway, to, to get to your substantive point, what happened was this is exactly what happened. What happened was that the Hillary Clinton campaign invited me to join the, their, what they call their Florida Leadership Council, which has 150 members. Now, up to this point, I have been saying good things about her, uh, good things about Bernie, who deserves it extraordinarily. Yep. Yes. I mean, I said, for instance, on MSNBC, that Bernie's been right on every issue for the past two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I also said that, with regard to Clinton, that I thought that, it's, that it would be, I'd be proud to have a woman who was president, it would make a, 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 an important point to my two daughters. Uh, and it would, uh, once and for all, eliminate the glass ceiling. And she happens to be a very well-qualified candidate. She served in the cabinet, she served in the Senate, uh, and she, uh, at least up until this point, uh, has run her campaign as a progressive campaign. Uh, and I said with regard to, to Biden that he's been a, 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 a voice for peace in the White House and for progressive uh, principles in the entire seven years that uh, of the Obama administration. Uh, so I, I've been, I think I've, I've had good things to say about all three of the putative major candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, would have something else to say about some of the other candidates, but let's face it, those are the three who could plausibly be uh, our nominee. Um, and and I I did that for the simple reason that they deserve it. Um, I I am not a Hillary hater. I know there are Hillary haters out there. I'm not one of them. Okay. I'm not. Um, I, I think that um, she has uh, put together a, a genuine progressive platform uh, that I'm hoping that she actually uh, tries to implement if she ends up winning the presidency. I am by no means, uh, it, by any stretch of the imagination, a Bernie hater. Um, I point out frequently that um, I am the person who, who passed the most amendments in the House of Representatives, and the prior holder of that title was Bernie. Uh, what right. didn't even belong to the Democratic yeah. or Republican Party when he was in the House of Representatives. He didn't belong to either party and nevertheless passed more amendments than any other member of the House of Representatives. You can look it up. 
So I, I you know, I as, as someone who might end up being uh, below one or the other of them on the ticket in Florida, a very important state, um, I well recognize that um, there has to be a working relationship that makes sense. Right. Um, frankly, given the fact that Patrick Murphy voted for the Benghazi committee, yep. one of only three members of, of Democratic members of the House these days who voted for the Benghazi committee, I scratch my head and wonder what kind of relationship he's going to have with Hillary if she gets to be the nominee. But the fact is that Hillary, Hillary's campaign and has been talking uh, to, to me on a regular basis now for months, specifically about the subject of how do you win Florida, which is extremely important if she ends up being the nominee. Um, she put together this Florida Leadership Council. Um, her staff invited me to be part of that council. This is the vehicle for continuing to give specific input about how the Democratic nominee can win Florida. Things like how, to, how, to, how does our registration system work? How do our absentee ballots work? Uh, what kind of issues matter to Florida voters? What kind of issues matter to particular blocks of Florida voters? Seniors, uh, Hispanics, African Americans, uh, uh, union members, uh, the, the kind of people who need to be mobilized in order to actually win a November election. I've been having those conversations both with her and with her staff now for many months. And as far as I can tell, they've been paying attention, listening, and if she gets to be the nominee, hopefully they'll put a lot of this into effect. So um, It was, I think, a natural, organic thing for her staff to invite me to join the Leadership Council. Of the 10 Democratic members of the House, eight of us did. Uh, the only uh, uh, exceptions were Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who can't because she's the head of the DNC, mm-hmm. and... Uh, um, Gwen Graham, who probably thinks Hillary's too liberal to support. Right. So, uh, but, although she but, can speak for herself on that issue. Okay. So, so, so that, that, that's it. I mean, you know, you you can take that for what it is. I, yeah. But I, here's my follow-up question, uh, then, uh, Congressman, yeah, which is: ahead. so, by in order to be in this uh, uh, Florida advisory committee. Um, you have to endorse her. You can't be on the advisory committee without formally endorsing her. That sounds to me like coercion. No, I don't think that's the case. I mean, nobody ever said that to me. Uh, you know, you, you, it is what it is. People can interpret it that way if they choose to. You could see how uh, the writer of that article was tortured over that question. Okay, but I'm not even about talking about him. But then, right? So that's why I called your office or emailed your office to get clarification. And you and I had a long discussion on Thursday afternoon. Um, you could. Well, I mean, did, it, did you that's not right. it, ask? It, I, I mean, it, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time this morning on your Facebook page. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm looking. There are a lot of people who just are, frankly, shocked, as, as I was, and, and I still continue to be. Um, you know, look, I see the inevitability well, I, I mean, that I, Hillary I, Clinton I'm, may maybe be. Maybe I'm just toned up here, but why, why would anybody be shocked about the idea that um, I would want to see somebody who is now up by 40 points in the polls in Florida? Okay? She's beating... Bernie, sixty to twenty. Well, okay. okay. In Florida, Bernie in my has state. not. Why? Set... Why would I? Why would anybody be shocked that I would want to lend a hand to see that if she is the nominee, she wins Florida, and therefore we keep the presidency? Because I know. Why you... would anybody be shocked about that? Because I know that you embrace the primary system, that you believe in democracy. What they're trying to do is obliterate the primary process. They're trying to lock up not only delegates but super delegates. They're trying to. I think coerce 
others who might be neutral to to jump on her bandwagon. Bernie hasn't even been to Florida yet. The organizing meetings in Florida are starting next week. People here don't know him. Don't you think that they given a chance? Uh, this is I mean, th- he pre- he preaches what you preach. You are you're so much more closely aligned with him that I don't I mean, I just don't understand why you felt the need to jump in and make an endorsement when you could have remained neutral or maybe you couldn't have. Okay, um, th- this is, we are told that this leadership council is the vehicle to continue doing what I've been trying to do. I have been trying to get uh, either campaign, although I haven't had these conversations with Bernie's campaign because this is not the way Bernie's campaign is operated. I've tried to get either campaign to focus on what it takes to actually be successful in Florida. Um, you know, I don't want a Charlie Crist campaign where the Democratic nominee spends uh, $100 million on 30-second ads that nobody pays attention to or believes, right. that, that, that don't actually turn out the vote. I want, I want uh, this to be a substantive campaign that has a very large component of field work in it, because that's what works in Florida. And I'm the only one on our side, on, on the blue team, who really understands that. Um, in, ter- in Central Florida, I'm for sure the only one. And in South Florida, it's, it's an open question. So I've had those conversations with her directly, as I said before, with her staff extensively, and this is the vehicle for continuing to do that going forward. It's not as if somebody came up to me and said to me, um, we're going to destroy your political career if you don't endorse her. That, 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 That didn't happen. This has grown organically out of conversations that have been going on now for six months. And I mean, you know, look, I, I, I don't, it may well be, it may well be that once Bernie makes his case to people in Florida, um, after the New Hampshire primary, after the uh, Iowa caucuses, after what goes on in South Carolina and Nevada, it may well be that, that the, the two campaigns are going to be in a different position by that point. But um, it is important to me, important enough so that I've been spending a, a great deal of personal time to see to it that these campaigns do the right thing in Florida so that the Democratic nominee can win. Clinton's campaign has been very open, cooperative, receptive, and they're paying attention to what I'm saying. And I never heard from Bernie. Wow. So, I mean, you know, if, if Bernie wants advice about what works in Florida, I'd be happy to offer but it. But at this but point, I do you think that, you... I never got that overture. But, but at the, you, you know, granted, he's the little... Uh... Uh, David going up against Goliath here. Did, uh, did you reach out to his campaign? No, but okay. I didn't have to do that in Clinton's case. Well, no, of course not, because obviously they've got the money and the manpower behind them. Bernie's the underdog. All right, so so let me, what do you say to the people like Jennifer Snyder on your Facebook page who wrote, I feel like I've been punched in the gut. I thought you were different, a real progressive. Hearing that you've backed Hillary is beyond disappointing. It puts everything you say into a different light. Now it's just lip service. And that's one of of Well, I, I think she's wrong. I mean, anybody can believe whatever they want to believe. That's one of life's little rules. But the fact is that this doesn't wipe out an enormous progressive, a heroic progressive record uh, that I've accumulated uh, ever since I was elected in 2008. You know, bear in mind that I was elected in a district that hadn't had a Democrat for 34 years. And I could have done this the same way that everybody else, almost everybody else does if they're elected in a district like that, which is to vote with the Republicans and keep your fingers crossed that the Koch brothers stay out of your race. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't do it that way. I, even though I, I was in a very tenuous position, 
I was, I think, by all accounts, a progressive champion. Uh, and and when I when I when the Koch brothers came in and dropped four million dollars of, neg- of ugly, disturbing negative ads on my head, uh, where they said literally, Alan Grayson's a liar. Alan Grayson's a loudmouth. This is the Koch brothers talking. You mm-hmm. think that, that they would <laughs> that hypocrisy would know some kind of bounds, but apparently not. Uh, I, and they, and they beat me in that district. I dusted myself off. Uh, ran uh, again uh, two years later and won by 25 points. So, you know, I, I don't, I mean, if people think that, that this is the be-all and the end-all, I'd say they need to wake up. They need to understand that, that, that there are a lot more important things in judging whether somebody is a progressive uh, as, beyond whether that person happens to join Hillary Clinton's Florida Leadership Council. I, 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 I mean, agree, you know, but, okay, sake, you, but that's why I asked for clarification in your office that, I mean, okay. it, it, is a, it is an endorsement, yes? It is, you know, it is what it is. P- people can impute that uh, if they want to. Uh, it, I described to you exactly what happened. I was invited to join the Florida Leadership Council. I said yes. That's it. If people want to construe that as an endorsement, so be it. Oh, but that's what your office said it was when I when I asked for clarification. But I can't believe I'm the only one, and I'm not even a journalist. I'm the only person who asked your office if this was indeed an endorsement. As far as I know, that is correct. Wow. That, then that, that's a really sad commentary on uh, journalism today, but we already know the state of journalism today. Um, I get, so so I, 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 I'm, I'm a bit at a loss. I really, um, I, you know, I said to you when we spoke privately the other day, and I won't say anything to you privately, then I won't say in public, I, I think the exact thing I said was I'd be less disappointed um, if I if I thought you actually <laughs> believed that Hillary Clinton was like the progressive candidate, I, I she you and I spoke how many times about the Trans-Pacific Partnership during the whole secrecy era, which was most of it. She helped draft the thing. She said it was the gold standard. And then, uh, you know, what, three weeks ago, she said, oh, by the way, I'm against it. This is not the person that my Alan Grayson gets behind. I get wanting to have a seat at the table. And that's a good thing. I just wish you could do it being neutral, which is where you were. Okay. Well, with regard to that, you're, you know, you're sort of cherry picking issues. The fact is that uh, Hillary has been consistently progressive all through this campaign. And she's also been progressive all through her life on, on virtually every issue except foreign affairs. And the foreign affairs exception does concern me a great deal. But the fact is that we're, we're, we're not talking about a right-winger here. Um, she's not as left-wing as Bernie, I will give you that. Um, but the fact is that she, she could have done this entire campaign in an entirely different way of saying, let's elect a woman president and leave it at that. And the fact is, over and over again, including the example that you just gave, she has staked out a progressive position um, on her own, voluntarily, mm. uh, without having to be prodded or prompted into it. Now... I think what, I'll tell you what I think happened with regard to the TPP, um, and and I'm not I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll just give you my explanation for that. Okay. Um, in the Ob- if you're in the Obama administration, one of the unspoken, unbreakable rules is that you have to be a team player. Um, so I mean I can tell you that Biden has had all sorts of reservations about some of the things that Obama has done, particularly with regard to foreign policy. And I can tell you that from personal knowledge. 
But you don't hear Biden go out and say, I disagree with the president on anything. Right. That just doesn't happen. All right. It doesn't happen with regard to anyone who works with the administration. So I think that when Hillary was discussing the position of Secretary of State with Obama, um, that subject may have come up. I'm, I'm inferring this. I don't know this for a fact. And she, like virtually everyone else associated with the administration, had to take a loyalty pact. I had to take a loyalty oath, I should say. And I think that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't know if I, if I administered sodium pentothal to her, what she would say about TPP. I don't know. But I, I do know that she was essentially, as a requirement of her job, required to say the, the, the quote that you just gave, mm-hmm. the gold standard quote. Now she's on her own. She can say what she really thinks or what she says she thinks. And in, in this case, she's come out against it. She didn't have to do that. I mean, you know, look, let's face it. There, there's plenty of votes on both sides, unfortunately, on that issue. Um, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. I've been very – look, I put up a video about the subject that got a million views on Facebook against the TPP. Uh, and I've been as, as outspoken about this as you can be. She could have gone in either direction. She has chosen to go in the progressive direction. That's a good thing. I, I mean, I understand that there are some people who are never going to see her as a progressive. I get that. Okay, I understand that. But, she, again, she could have done this campaign in a fundamentally different way, uh, not reaching out to the progressives, not adopting progressive issues. And she deserves praise for doing it in, in a, a principled and, some, and basically progressive manner. You, uh, show me an issue where she's come out during the campaign that wasn't a progressive. Right. Then the question is, do you believe her? Um, and obviously you do. There are many of us who don't because we've been burned before. Uh, <sighs> just look at the White House. You know, it's one thing to when say When did she burn thing, you before? Uh, I'm not talking about, well, I just, I don't, I honestly don't believe her. I didn't believe her. She was, uh, I didn't believe her about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I think she says what's politically expedient, what she needs to say to move forward. I'll tell you, you know, I think Bernie Sanders can win the nomination. He would do so more easily if, you know, other uh, elected officials who agree with him would stand up and do so like Keith Ellison and Roel Grijalva did. They're the only ones who did. Okay, all right. you're right. They were the only ones. There are two members of the That's House right. who have endorsed Bernie, and there are over 140 who have endorsed Hillary. Yeah, but I also think, and, and again, it, it's, it's, I say this often, and it, it doesn't make it right, but it, it is. Perception is reality. And what appears to me by her setting up this Florida Leadership Council, that's the most... Uh, and call me cynical. I changed my name to Cynical Sandler. Uh, I am cynical. <laughs> I don't trust anything having to do with this political process anymore. I think the Democratic Party wants Hillary Clinton um, uh, to be the Democratic nominee. The same way the Democratic Party, the DSCC, wants Patrick Murphy to be the nominee from Florida. It's disgusting the way they've gotten behind that guy and coerced other sitting members of the Senate to endorse him from from uh, Al Franken to Sherrod Brown. I mean, despicable. Turn my stomach the same way. Honestly, my stomach dropped when I saw that you were in Hillary's camp now because I don't believe it. I don't believe that these endorsements are real. I think they're coerced. And I think it's the party saying you want a future in this party. You will play with us. And, uh, you know, I have nothing to back me up to say this is the way it works, but I can't think anything different. Why else would Sherrod Brown endorse Patrick Murphy? He didn't endorse him. He gave $5,000 to his campaign. Um, well, and again, people can draw their own conclusions yes. about that. Um, Sherrod and I have actually discussed that. But, mm-hmm. 
He sent out a fundraising letter um, on his behalf. It came in my inbox and it prompted me to send a, to unsubscribe from Sherrod Brown's email list. I will not support him anymore. Not that I'm in a position to now, but you know, Al Franken, really? No, this, this is this is Chuck Schumer throwing his weight around. Yes. That's all that is. Well, you're, you're absolutely right about that. But let me ask you a question. Yeah. If Hillary is the nominee, are you going to vote for her? Probably. As we talked, look, we're in Florida. I will hold my nose and vote against whomever the uh, the the uh, Republican candidate is. But I'll tell you something else. If I lived in New York still or still lived in California, you better believe I'd write in Bernie Sanders. We live in Florida, the land of, you know, Florida. Wow. So, um, but, you know, and there's no way in hell I'll vote for Patrick Murphy. Um, I know what he is. But, my God, again, I go down your Facebook page. I mean, it's that old saying. I look at my kid when I'm really pissed off, and I say, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. You know, I, no, I'm, I, I'm I, honest I mean, with you. I, I'm I, so honestly, disappointed. I, I, think, I think people have been rude about that. I, you know, I, I think it, 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 it re- people have crossed over that, that line that's clear to me in which they start to impute my motives. And I think that that's wrong. I mean, I, I, we just had an extensive conversation about this. I will tell you, I didn't feel like I was coerced. Um, if, I, if, if I had felt like I was coerced, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is okay. part of who I am. That's part of my DNA. And I, I think people who are going really wild over this are... are doing a disservice to themselves and rational thought. I mean, let, let's face it, you know, I think this is a good example of what Ed Koch used to talk about. Okay, Ed Koch used to say, if you agree with me on 10 out of every 12 issues, that means I'm doing a good job. If you agree with me on 12 out of every 12 issues, that means you're nuts. The, 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 the fact, I mean, the, I, I understand that you don't like Hillary and you don't trust Hillary. You must recognize that not everybody feels that way. Some people look at Hillary and see a 60s radical, which she now, was, and by Some the people way. look at Hillary but, and see a Goldwater girl, which she was, by the way. Uh, you know, the, like I said, we, it is fair to draw those kind of conclusions about her. But to, to some extent, I think we have to judge people by their collective actions. I mean, what did she choose to do when she was the first lady? She chose to try to bring about universal health care, something that we're still struggling to do 20, uh, 20 years later. She didn't have to do that. She could have uh, basically, as she put it, baked cookies. She could have done some physical fitness thing like Michelle Obama is doing that wouldn't be controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, she, she dove into one of the crime causes of grief in our country, which is the fact that we had, and we still have, tens of millions of people who can't see a doctor when they're sick. And she rolled up her sleeves and she tried to do something about it. That doesn't sound to me to be a right-winger. You know, look, if you don't like me, you don't trust her. That's, that's I... I you're entitled to that. That's okay. But then to turn around and say you don't trust me because I'm trusting her right now seems to be unfair to me. Um, no, I just look and there's nothing wrong with uh, uh, again. I, I don't know why you had to do this now, why you couldn't have remained neutral, which I think is the, the exact um, position you should have. T- I'm not saying you should have endorsed Bernie. I believe sadly in this uh, in, uh, opposite world that we're in, that that would have that that would have not been a, a smart <laughs> move. I also think endorsing Hillary is not the right move for you. I, it, my opinion, as a supporter, as somebody who likes you, as somebody who's like, you know, been there. Um, I, I just this came out of well, I was going to say left field, but more like right field. And I, I, 
I'm just I'm just also echoing what I've heard from more listeners than I can recount to you and what I'm reading on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, people were shocked because this just seemed out of character for you. All right. Well, I mean, I've tried to explain where I'm coming from. It's not something that just popped up overnight. Um, It's something that's been a function of my efforts to see that a Democratic nominee, whoever that might be, wins in Florida in November. And I started those efforts very, very early, um, even before Hillary announced. Uh, I've been trying to um, get the, the candidates, all the candidates, to pay attention to what needs to be done to win in Florida. Now, one could say, well, you want them to win in Florida because you want to win in Florida. Okay, fine, whatever. But the fact is that uh, we need to have a Democrat win in Florida, and there is an enormous amount of force in the direction of uh, of things that are not productive. You know, for instance, um, just to give you one example, uh, as we saw in last year's election, if you run ads three weeks before the election and half the electors already voted, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. This is not something that, that Hillary's people understood until I explained it to them. Um, this, you know, I'd be happy to have the same conversations with anybody from any camp, but this is something that, that you need to know if you want to be able to be effective in Florida and to be the winning Democratic uh, candidate uh, in November. So, you know, like, like I said, it, the, uh, the, if, uh, I just want the blue team to win, and I have, I have defended Bernie in the past, I've said good things about Bernie in the past. I don't intend to stop saying good things about Bernie um, when he deserves it. Um, And I think that Bernie, for instance, um, has uh, gone way out of his way to keep the campaign substantive and not engage in personal attacks Mm -hmm. against anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that. That's Bernie. Bernie understands that what this is all about is people's lives in the balance, not about, uh, as he put it, the damn emails. So, right. you know, Bernie gets credit for that. A Do you think his statement of... weeks ago and said to me, is Bernie unelectable? I said, there's no way that Bernie's unelectable. Right. That's just, that's, that's ridiculous to say Bernie's unelectable. Look at the polls. The polls say that Bernie is quite electable. And, and uh, you know, so I, you know, I, when, when I, I answer the question I'm asked, and uh, Bernie is somebody I, I continue to hold in high regard. And I think that um, uh, it would be nice to have... Um, a Jew from New York in the presidency. Yeah, um, <laughs> also in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> right. Um, I, I agree. Would it be, um, would it be, I mean, are you, we're running up against the news here, but do, do you uh, think we should have a no-fly zone in Syria? Oh, geez, you're just leaping out. Yeah, uh, I am. No, I don't think we should have okay, a no-fly well, zone Okay, well, there Syria. you break no. with Hillary Clinton. Uh, well, that, I mean, I understand. We, there are substantial differences between the inner and foreign policy. I'm well aware of that. Um, but I think that in general, otherwise she's been, uh, she's been a, a re, you know, her positions have been uh, quite ha, progressive ha, over the really? campaign. Really? Has she $12 an hour minimum wage, not 15 And has she um, come out with a statement, a position, a policy yet on expanding Social Security? She I'm hasn't. working on that. Are I'm you? working on that specifically. Okay. Okay. And, ha- I, and then, how powerful would it be if the Democratic nominee actually came out in favor of that, if she is the Democratic but nominee? But wouldn't that be a wouldn't great thing to something? hold out an endorsement for? You come out in favor of expanding Social Security, Medicare for all, the things that you have, legislation that you've introduced, Congressman Grayson, and, and that would be a good carrot to dangle for an endorsement, wouldn't it? But you've That's already given her progress. the endorsement. I, I have had very, very extensive discussions with her directly and with her staff about that specific subject. 
I'm working on it. Okay. If she comes out on the wrong end of those issues, would you uh, retract your endorsement? Well, I mean, that's, wow, that's a really, really hypothetical question. I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. I guess we'll we'll reconvene. If she turns into Ted Cruz tomorrow, I would be very troubled. Okay. Well, you're not the only one. But uh, Anyway, Alan Grayson, I so appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. I know it wasn't sure. the easiest conversation to have. I, I always appreciate your honesty, and, and I thank you. I disagree thank with you, you but I thank you. <laughs> okay. I understand. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And with that, we are plumb out of time. Brad and Desi should be back tomorrow. Fingers crossed that they're feeling better. Feel better, and happy Thanksgiving. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. See you next time.